It's time. It's time to step up. It's time to step out to share the hope we have and meet people's needs. Are you ready? Are you a shareholder in anything? Now, if, if you have any kind of investments, maybe you have a retirement plan or, or maybe just other savings, you maybe get some letters in the mail that remind you you are a shareholder. That is, you hold a particular interest or portion of some business or company. We use that word share to remind us of a portion or a part that we have. And, and sometimes we'll even say that about other things. We'll say, well, well, I have got my share. Do you know that you are also a shareholder in the kingdom of God? You might, you might recognize you're a shareholder of, of some company, but in the kingdom of God? That's what Peter tells us. That through this living hope that we have, through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we have a share in God's kingdom. Now we use that word share not only to indicate there's a, a portion that we have, but we also use that word share to remind us that what we have we can share with others. We can give part of it away. We can hold on to it and, and, and let others use it at the same time. So being members of the kingdom of God reminds us that not only are we shareholders, we have something, but it's also something we are to share. As we continue our, our messages with going through the first letter of Peter on the theme of living hope, we're reminded that which we have is something we can share. And so the message for us today from 1 Peter is simply this. Be ready to share. It comes from this verse that might be familiar to you from 1 Peter chapter 3. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now I'm reminded that I'm a shareholder in some companies whenever I get my statement on my retirement fund. Now, usually I don't open it up at all because it's got too much stuff in there I don't understand. But it does remind me that I have something. Now, my wife the other day opened it up and says, oh, wow, look how much we have in this account. And I said, well, that's my retirement account. And she goes, no, we said it was first the kid's education account. You keep working for your retirement. <laughs> so sometimes we might know that we have a share, but sometimes we might also question, do I really have that? It reminded me of this cartoon where the chairman of some company is telling his clerk there, our books are balanced. 50% of our numbers are real and 50% are made up. Well, I hope that isn't the case with my investments or yours. 
I know it's not the case with what God says to us about our share in the kingdom of God. What he tells us is that we are ready to receive that kingdom. The reason? Because we are shareholders. And that is because Jesus holds us. In that passage I read from 1 Peter, he said, set apart Christ as Lord. And with those two titles that we use so often, he's reminding us of this truth. Jesus has hold of me. The title Christ meant he is the appointed Savior, the one whom God has appointed to be the Savior of the world. And Lord means he's the sovereign one. He's my master. He is the one who has purchased me, redeemed me. In some verses before our text today, Peter explained that. He said, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as gold or silver that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Peter was saying that we have an empty way of life that was given us. Now, we might look around today or even look at our own circumstances and maybe don't feel that we have an empty way of life simply because we have filled it up with so much stuff. You drive by houses, you see multiple cars, you see nice houses, people have jobs, we've got grocery stores and other stores all over the place. We're filled with things. And so we might wonder, how can you say you have an empty way of life? Well, he's looking inside, looking at our spiritual condition. Last week, Saturday, I was making prison visits up at the state prison in Vacaville. And I happened to meet a, a prisoner who wasn't on our list, but who was able to strike up a conversation with and, and uh, with the vending machines that were there. I asked if he wanted something to eat, and he said, well, I'd take an orange. And so I bought him an orange, and we sat down and just started talking about his situation. He started to tell me about what he called the worst two months of his life. And by that he meant the two months that he spent on a crime spree robbing banks. What had happened was he had a, a six-figure income through his job, but he lost that job and he couldn't get another job. And he was becoming desperate to support his family and keep his house. So he had thought it would be easy to go and rob some banks and get that money. And so he did it for two short months, but then got caught. And that really changed his life. He called it the worst two months of his life because now he's spending several years in prison. He ruined his marriage. His wife left him, and he only has infrequent contact with his young children. Now we might look at that and say, yeah, that's an empty way of life now. But in reality, the emptiness of his life started before his crime spree. When he thought the six-figure income and all the stuff he was able to accumulate from that is what made his life full. It was empty because he didn't have God. 
Jesus reminds us of this when he says, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. What was true for that inmate, and it's true for us too, that sin can creep into our lives, or sin can burst its way in, and what it will do is empty us of the righteousness that we need to be in relationship with God, and in fact, it can even empty us of God himself. That's the empty way of life that Peter's talking about. But the good news is, Jesus has redeemed us. Jesus has purchased us. Jesus holds us. Because of his perfect life lived in my place, that now God credits to me through my faith in him, and because of his death that paid the penalty for my sins, and because of his resurrection from the dead that gives me a living hope, I know I am a shareholder in the kingdom of God because Jesus holds me. I am his possession for a kingdom. A kingdom that will never be ruined. A kingdom that rust can't ruin, that moths can't eat, that time can't decay. It's a kingdom that will last forever because I am his. And the difference that makes is now I'm ready. And I have hope. That inmate doesn't have much hope, so he thinks, because of his ruined circumstances. And sometimes the things that we experience in our life will make us feel that way. When problem after problem enters our life, it brings despair. And we wonder, what's going to happen next? What can be done Is this what life is all about? Is is life just so meaningless? The answer is no. There is a living hope that God has given us. A confidence that we can have about his love and his blessing and the eternity that he has in store for us. And that can go into every area of our life. Whether we experience trouble or triumph, we have a sure confidence of God's love. Whether we experience good things or bad things, that living hope does not die. So whether in sickness or health, in poverty or wealth, good times, bad times, whatever might be, we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God and his blessings for us that we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is our living and constant Hope. That's what we share. That's what we have. That's why we're shareholders of the kingdom of God. Because Jesus is our soul holder. Now look at your life and what do you see? Oftentimes people ask us, how's it going? And, and we'll begin to think about our job or school. We'll think about our finances, our health, our relationships. And based on that, we'll answer the question. But you know what? We're out of focus, like this picture. We're looking at all the things that are around us instead of what's inside of us. Yeah, maybe we see some things real clear, 
And we may even see, well, this is what God is doing in my life, but we're not looking deep enough inside and seeing the us. We're not seeing with the eyes of faith what God has made us through his grace, his possession. With the eyes of faith, we can see clearly and answer the question, how are things going, with the, with the statement, I'm blessed because Jesus holds me. So easy to get out of focus. That's why Peter said, set apart Christ as Lord. When I get those statements in the mail on the investment, I don't open them. I just set them aside. But I better not do that with the investment God has given me in Christ. That's what Peter is saying. Set apart Christ as Lord. The Apostle Paul explained that a little more. When, when, when Peter says, set, it, set him apart in your heart, Paul added to that. He said, since then you've been raised from uh, been raised with Christ. Notice how he's talking about that living hope we have through the resurrection of Jesus. Paul says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So we are ready because Jesus holds us. So now he says, get set. That is, set your hearts and minds on Christ. And when you set your heart on something, that means that, that you love it, you're devoted to it, right? You can think of things that you have your heart set on, how you love it, how you want it, you're devoted to it. Maybe, however, being so much in love with this or that and devoted to it, maybe it's also gotten in the way of your relationship with Christ. Maybe that has become the Lord of your life. So Peter reminds us to set our hearts on Christ as Lord. And that means to, to trust and to honor and to follow him. You know, right now in our country, everybody's attention is focused on all these presidential campaigns, right? And we all are thinking, well, what if so-and-so is going to be president? Or what will things be like if this person is president? Christ is our Lord. Christ is our sovereign. He is the one who has saved us, and he is the one who's going to guide and bless us into eternity. We don't need to worry about what this person or that person is going to do. We're in the hands of Jesus. And once we recognize that, that we've set him apart as Lord, then we're going to live our life for Christ. The word that Peter used meant to revere him, to set him apart as holy, to keep him sanctified, special. And that means simply to honor and to trust and to worship him. With a living hope inside of us, that means it's going to be alive, it's going to be active. It's going to be focused on Christ as the object and the source of our hope, and it's going to reflect that in our honor and our trust and our worship for him. Practically speaking, that means it takes my will, my thoughts, my intentions, and my actions, and it keeps it focused on Christ. Not on me, not on what I want, not on what I feel, but on Christ. 
and who he is and what he's done and what he has called me to do. Now I know that you have Christ as your Lord. You confess that. But Peter's question is, have you set him apart in your life as Lord? When you come to worship him, is your heart here or do you just go through the motions? When you look at your life and your time, you're figuring out your schedule, and you look at all your, your talents, your abilities to do things, have you taken part of that and set it apart for serving Christ? When you look at your finances, have you heeded his call to set apart part of your income for him, to give him some of your treasure? See, I'm not asking you, is Christ your Lord? I know he is, because he declares that he is. But what I'm asking you is, have you set him apart for that purpose? Do you acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior, accept his will for your life, and then adore him for his blessings? That's being set. Now recognize this, that Jesus is the Lord of all people. Jesus is the Redeemer of the world. He has died for everyone. But not everyone knows that. Not everyone believes that. Not everyone trusts that. That's why Peter urges us now, being ready and being set to take the next step. Share the hope. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have and to do this with gentleness and respect. We are ready. We are set. Let's share the hope. And that hope is simply this, the forgiveness and love we have in Christ. Now, last week when that inmate told me about those two worst months of his life and how he felt he had nothing to look forward to, I had an opportunity to share with him. It's all because I bought him an orange and then we sat down to talk. I reminded him that though those were the worst two months of his life, I said, but God forgives you. Completely. And he said, yeah, I'm sure he does. But God is above all of this, so he can do that. And by that he meant he's not living there in that prison. He said, I can't forgive myself for what I have done to my family and that I have no life ahead of me. All I could do is encourage him of what I am certain of, his forgiveness in Jesus. And I said, you just keep focusing on that and you will forgive yourself and see what God has for you. I hope I, get to, I hope I will get to meet him again. He isn't on our regular visitation list. The prisoners that I work with who are on the inside, they are working to get his information and to get him on our visitation list so I can continue sharing hope with him. 
But what happens with, with him is what happens oftentimes with people. We do suffer the consequences for our sin. And sometimes that guilt weighs us down. Sometimes we feel just burdened with the results of our life. Sometimes we look ahead and we see a path of life we just don't like. But be reminded of God's forgiveness and love. God can change any circumstance if it's his will. God does forgive. God does love. And he has given us a hope that is alive. It's a hope God wants us to share. Peter said, with gentleness and respect. Now, I could have thought, and I could have said something to that prisoner like, yeah, well, you should have thought about that before you went robbing banks. Well, not have been gentle or respectful to say that. Nor would Jesus have said that. Jesus would have said, I forgive you. Jesus would have opened his arms and welcomed him. Because God rejoices over every sinner who repents. God opens his arms to welcome them all in. God exalts those who have been made low because of their sin when they find forgiveness in him. You see how important it is that we who are ready and been made shareholders, that we who have set our minds on Christ are now ready to share the hope. How important it is we share it and it's important how we share it. Here's how we get ready to share. Start with prayer. Ask God to open your heart that you realize and appreciate the forgiveness that he has for you. Ask him to open a door that you have the opportunity to share with others that living hope that's alive inside of you. And then care enough to show it. Show somebody you care. Understand what their needs are. Understand what they're going through and recognize this is the opportunity for them to hear of God's love. To be ready to do that, prepare yourself by reminding yourself and reflecting on the forgiveness God has for you and the love that he shows you. Recall those promises that help you get through the tough times so that you can share with others that hope you have. You prepare as you hear it, here in church, in Bible classes, and as you read it in your scriptures. That's where God gives you the hope. That's where your hope stays alive so you can share it. Ready to share? It's because we are shareholders. And what we share is the love of God. Now it's time to give him away. Amen.